0: Welcome to the Intercut Podcast Channel, the weekly place to hear the latest in movie, TV, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I'm your co-host Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's gonna
1: go punch that baby. It's Arturo Zerita. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what how many babies were punched in this. I I remember stabbing <laughs> of bodies. That yeah. uh that that has stuck with me for sure. But um yeah, as long as uh. I don't end up like some of the characters in this movie. I'm okay with that. (laughs)
0: Uh, We are going to focus a little bit on one particular movie because I'm coming off New York and you are busy attending back-to-back screenings with Chicago International Film or Is it Chicago Critics Fest or is it? Chicago International. International. Film there we go. There we go. Chicago International. Uh, how is that experience going for you? How is uh, uh, this year's fest going?
1: Uh, this movie that we're going to be talking about, Poor Things, was one of the last minute additions. It is, if you're listening to this in time, uh, is going to be premiering on Saturday. We were able to go to a press screening, uh, which is why we're recording this early review, uh, along with a bunch of other ones. Zach knows I just came out of zone of interest, so we're going to do a lot of these like mini capsule reviews from The Killer. Um, what else we got? Uh, Kills of the Flower Moon, that's kind of separate, but a lot yeah. of these festival picks where, a zone of uh, Interest,
0: maybe Anatomy hoping, of a Fall.
1: Oh, Anatomy of a Fall, another great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these movies that hopefully are still slated to come out because one of the closing night films for Chicago is Bike Riders. That got moved. Yeah. So we'll see how many of these come out. But as for poor things, it still has a December 8th release. And that's what I have on your calendars because I like Zach who brought up in his New York uh, uh, slate think this is one of the best movies of the year.
0: Definitely, yeah. So we'll get back to our regular weekend must watch shenanigans next week on Monday, uh, but we're going to dive in to poor things, the latest collaboration between Academy Award-winning actress Emma Stone and visionary director Yorgos Lanthimos, a film about a woman who's brought back to life by a brilliant scientist, played by Willem Dafoe, uh, who then awakens with a childlike mind, but also an eagerness to learn about the world with all the pains and pleasures that it has to offer. Uh, it's a bit of a Frankenstein, Frankenstein sex monster story delivered through the mannered lens of the creative minds behind films like *The Lobster* and *The Favorite*. Arturo. There are some Yorgos Lanthimos films that I know you love. Others that you're maybe a bit more cool on. Where did you land with *Poor Things*? Top three
1: uh, for his for his works easily top three I'm still contemplating whether it beats Dogtooth, which has been my favorite for a very long time now mm-hmm. the fact that it's even up up there yeah I mean I think' says a lot
0: that's a tier where I would say those are all movies that you love
1: right yes easily and this one is a standout not just in its story and its performances but in its like fairy like dreamlike nature you know this is mm-hmm. a movie where it's also segmented into parts something that I've kind of pushed back on and on, on some of his most recent ones. I know some people consider some of his movies their favorite, uh, but the way that those were kind of like chaptered up didn't really work for me. The way he does it here and the way that he showcases those title cards is like so otherworldly. I just fell for this movie.
0: Mm. Yeah, the the title card designs, I mean, uh, they are some of the most beautiful images in a movie full of them. I, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about how he designed how he them. them. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's so much to look at in this film. It is a uh, eye-popping uh, visual feast, for sure, from the colors to the cinematography, all of which I'm uh, sure we can get into a little bit more uh, later on. Uh, first of all, you know, I think we got to talk about just how funny this movie is. Yorgos, I think, is one of our most interesting comedy directors, and obviously a lot of the films have plenty of, like, weirdness and and uh you know societal uh insight and drama to them as well but my predominant response to most of his movies is just laughing at them. I find them to be very, very funny. And this yeah. one in particular centered on uh, Emma Stone's performance it is just so consistently hilarious. She's uh, very, uh, she's got this like very fun physical energy she, as you can see from the image I'm showing on on our stream. Uh, kind of like a Jim Carrey rubber-faced, rubber-limbed thing going on in certain moments of this film. It's very daring in terms of like how often she, she's, like, completely naked or partially naked and just sort of unshowy about it as well. But she's able to also sell the kind of sharp-tongued wit of other moments and, and also the kind of uh, drama around her character. I, I think it's a really incredible, funny performance from Emma Stone uh, in the lead here.
1: Easily. Uh, on top of that, she's got some really great sparring partners. One of my personal favorites would have ended up being Uh, Mr. Hulk himself, I did not expect Ruffalo to be a standout, but he might have been my favorite character in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, He in particular comes in at a moment where this Frankenstein monster of sorts is being held in this house, right? Because Mm -hmm. uh, the story builds from uh, a scientist who no one really respects But he's kind of out there doing these crazy experiments of, like, swapping limbs and bodies. And he ends up with a protege who comes in to study under him. And when this man comes in, he's more so a dude who wants to use Emma Stone's character to his own liking, right? Because he doesn't see her as, like, a child. He sees her as this almost escapade that he could have. Uh, And you see a lot of those moments in the uh, trailer with how whimsical his character is and kind of the dynamic that they have. But he's almost like the 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 roots to what causes her to really shine in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like the stepping stone for her, and, yeah. and he does it so beautifully. Or he's like a in a weird way. Yeah, uh, no, he he stood out to me a lot. I think he's one of the funniest characters that um, Yorgos has directed. Mm-hmm. Um, probably out of his career, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's also just being able to get Mark Ruffalo in this performance where he's really able to craft this kind of devious, somewhat pathetic Lothario character. Uh, He's like, tries to present himself as this esteemed gentleman, but he keeps uh, having these like toddler-like tantrums when he doesn't get his way. Uh, He's just so funny and, and like, kind of wicked in this role, and it's just a pleasure because I think Ruffalo is one of our great actors, and Easily. you know, not to not to like hate too much on uh, MCU, but he's just ha- is able to play so so much more complex it here. You
1: know what I'm gonna still give it to him in the MCU and Endgame he's when fun. he goes. When he goes with the Hulk and he puts the gauntlet on, and he goes, It's like I was made for this. That's our most quoted line, Alina <laughs> and I. So I think it never disappears uh, for this man. You know, this is Look, the guy an actor and spotlight. Act. Exactly. <laughs> and in here, he's just a high class wimp. And I loved every second he was on screen. But Emma Stone, easily one of her stand up performances. If, if, if you love her in Llama La Land and you love her in The Favorite, I might argue. That she could be even, she might be even better in this movie. And I think it might end up topping her La La Land performance for me on rewatches.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things where I feel like had she not won the Oscar for La La Land, this would kind of be a moment where we all rally around how good she is here. Because like right? I, I really enjoy her in La La Land. I think she's great there. But that's not what I think of when I think of what makes Emma Stone an amazing, an amazing actress. What I think of is her ability to ride this line between serious and comedic, because she is one of our most hilarious actresses, obviously kind of came up through her comedies. But also it's has so this bad. pathos to her, and is able to portray like an emotion, like an emotional authenticity to her character's journey. And it's such a bizarre journey here because she's she goes from like you know infant like uh, uh, child, you know, who can't even form uh, words, into something that's like. A really really interesting uh collection of the scenes that she's gone through right like she really gets yep. to build a character through through the uh, through the scope of this movie and I think she's so good in it here that you know to me this is definitely the best leading actress performance I've seen this year and you know it's a bit of a shame for somebody like Margot Robbie who I think does a lot of similar things Ooh. in Barbie but I I prefer Emma's work here.
1: Say it. Yeah. It's not just that this is a standout performance from her. Yeah, It's a standout character. I I think what Margot did with Robbie, like you're mentioning, is is a great parallel to the journey that her character goes through here. Because the person who you meet at the beginning, that journey that they go through in this film is not, it's like it's one you want to revisit. But it's one that you could take a lot from with how they learn and what they learn uh, to through all of the chapters in this film. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, that's a that's a actual real, really great comparison. Um, so among
0: this year's best actress contenders, you've seen uh, Sandra Huller in Anatomy of a Fall. We just talked about Margot Robbie in Barbie. Greta Lee Solid. is in Past Lives. You haven't had the chance yet to see either Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon or Carrie Mulligan in Maestro, but do you feel like Emma Stone should be the frontrunner in Lead Actress?
1: You saw Lily Gladstone. Is it lead runtime? I
0: think so. You know, there was a bit of a, uh, like, controversy or maybe, like, yeah, but uproar yeah. from a lot of the, like, Oscar prognosticators out there that she is going to campaign as lead actress rather than a supporting actress for Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, she's, to, in my eyes, the co-lead of that movie. The story okay. is really the story of her and Leo's character, uh, their, their relationship together, their journey together. I, I don't know I mean I, she's not as she's not in as many scenes as Leonardo DiCaprio but she's definitely a co lead of a three and a half hour film let me remind
1: you no but, so by default right she's got yeah. a, she's got a ninety minute runtime and for she's sure. very
0: excellent in it too like I I'm I she's among my favorite performances of this year yeah. I, I do kind of think that like Emma Stone has like maybe more like different more more different different things to play. Like, it is such a varied performance. And uh, that's maybe why I would lean towards her performance in Poor Things here.
1: Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, if this is the lineup right here, I think Sandra was really good in Anatomy. Margot is excellent in Barbie. Uh, I I would love to see Greta still get that praise towards the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, don't it, forget
0: about Greta Lee. If you're yeah, Gre- and line, Mulligan, I know line.
1: You really liked uh, Maestro, and you said that uh, their dynamic that they had going on with the yeah. way, I mean, the way that you described the dialogue in that movie has me very excited to see it in theaters. Yeah. But from what I've seen, ah, bro, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm giving her like a hundred meters ahead. That's that's how much I loved her performance in this Absolutely.
0: movie. Absolutely. Uh, let's circle back to Ruffalo, because he's also gotten in the discussion for Best Supporting Actor this year. Uh, do you prefer his performance to some of the other strong contenders we've Tell seen? Me. Ryan Gosling in Barbie, John Magaro in Past Lives, Sterling K. Brown in American Fiction, which you haven't talked about too much on the podcast yet, or, or Glenn Howerton in Blackberry, which we did spend some time talking about on the podcast? We having a great year, Zach. This is yeah. sounding like it's going to be. This is a really <laughs> solid year for movies. It's
1: a pretty solid year. Uh, again, I think it would be a, a, a very interesting discussion to compare Ryan Gosling's Ken character to what you have here, right? Because uh, I know there's been talk about whether a male director can direct something that is very feminist in nature, a very mm-hmm. uh, you know very female-led movie. Like, you take Ryan's character of Ken and what he's supposed to represent in masculinity and what that movie was, was showcasing. Bro, you have that going on here with mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo. Like, you don't get this feminist tale without a performance, without a character like Mark Ruffalo. I don't want to say anchoring it, but damn. Like, he yeah. he is part of the reason why it's getting what, what allows her character to, to push forward. Um, I, John McGarrow's great. Sterling K. Brown. Fantastic. Glenn Howerton, I think, would be my second Technically third uh, in this list, I am gonna have to lock in with uh, this man being the best one. I think Mark right. Ruffalo is better than Ryan Gosling, even though I think Ryan Gosling will have a bigger campaign.
0: Before you before you lock and throw away the key, uh, what throwing. if I what if I put Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer's name back into the ring?
1: He can get second place. Oh, all <laughs> right, okay. My man had black and white seeds and color seeds too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I really, really wow, enjoy Ruffalo good, in this performance. Noah,
1: hey, and, and for the record, I would not be upset with any of these gentlemen winning. They totally—they are all in some of my, honestly, like, they're not even just great performances. Mm-hmm. All of their respective movies are in my top 20 of the year easily. So it's going to be a stacked year.
0: Yeah, I still think I, I might lean Ruffalo. slightly towards Downey Jr., but, uh, you know, it'll Over be a Riot? battle between uh, the MCU heroes, right? Really?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, between those two. And, you know, uh, you can't beat a Hulk, so. uh
0: this is also just like a gorgeous movie to look at which we were talking about a bit before uh the set design designed by james price and shona heath is really incredible like they have these incredibly uh colorful and vivid backdrops Mm -hmm. uh during the q a that they were in attendance for at the new york film festival screening i saw they talked about trying to push the film sort of to the edges of what might look like reality, so like the clouds sometimes have these purplish or like greenish tints that are almost like kind of bizarro land, but they never yeah. feel. They, I don't know. They still feel of Earth, uh, yeah. and these sets that they built are really, really incredible. Uh, just I don't know. Um, what, what were your, some of your takeaways from just how the movie looked?
1: Well, like you were describing, especially in that act when they're outside, so you get to see a lot of the sky. Uh, what you were mentioning made it look like, like watercolor paintings, yes. pretty much in the background, and they're very like expressionistic. It's almost the way that, uh, like a Van Gogh painting would look at the sky. And when looking at the, the, the production design, especially in the house, um, how they built his entire laboratory from the multiple buildings and her secret hideouts and stuff, it feels so lived in mm-hmm. that the moment they leave that place, because I wasn't sure how much of this was going to be contained into one location, right. um, it, it just it feels so expansive. You have mm-hmm. moments where they're spending it in France. You have moments where they're spending it on this cruise ship. And all of it feels detailed to the degree of what most people would praise Wes Anderson for. Right. I think this is so detailed down to every little moment, not just uh, around them, but the side characters and what they're wearing. It, it's just beautifully realized.
0: Yeah, I mean it's such a full world, and you mentioned that it is sort of like city hopping, but the, they also don't quite feel like the cities they mention. They feel like their own unique, like, like awesome. alternate reality creations. Yeah. It, uh it's really really immersive immersive and beautiful even
1: even there you see right behind her yeah exactly Phallic imagery like there is so much subliminal stuff within the movie too like uh, the way that tim burton builds a world when he was in his prime back in the 90s Mm -hmm. that people like loved so much yorgos is on that level of production here uh and even in the end credits they kind of showcase and they zoom into a lot of those moments a lot of the architecture and things around them yeah It, it worked beautifully
0: uh, and also the Robbie Ryan cinematography, we should shout out. You know, he's worked with the Orgos on a couple films now, and uh, they lean even more heavily into the like fisheye lens stuff that they kind of have gained a reputation for. There's a bunch of stuff that's shot through like peephole cameras that keeps yeah. th- that, that it keeps things kind of dynamic and different and but interesting. But it works. Yeah, like it it works for this sort of peculiar world they've built. Mm-hmm. Um. We talked a bit about both Ruffalo and Emma Stone. Are there any other supporting performances that you wanted to shout out?
1: Uh, you yeah, know, we can mention Pops over here. He, Willem Dafoe, <laughs> he does yeah. a lot of weird things. I don't want to spoil some of the stuff that are like reoccurring moments, especially with uh, this this scene right here. Yeah. Um, but I, I found it fascinating that from like his point of view... He pretty much is, you know, not just a doctor, but he is God to these creations that he's building. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really adds this uh, almost parable-like story to it because it's the journey of a character of this woman who's growing up. But at the same time, like when you look at it from from his point of view, uh, he, he's the creator in a sense to to these beings that he's put out there into the world. <sighs> yeah, uh, I thought absolutely. he did a really good job.
0: Yeah, uh, he's, I mean, it's... I think we've come to expect good performances from Willem Dafoe, but I think this is a particularly good Willem Dafoe Underrated. performance because he's somehow like both very gruff in his outer demeanor and in a way it seems like he's unfeeling, but there is like this yeah. l- like hidden tenderness to the performance as well.
1: Especially uh, with what he breaks down in his past, and, and like you're, you're saying, it he's very scientific, he's very analytical, and that's how he showcases his love. Mm-hmm. And great makeup, bro. Very great. Yeah, makeup.
0: really effective. Uh, Connor in the live stream is asking how's Gerard and Rami as well, a couple of very funny actors who uh, make some appearances in this Yorgos Lanthimos movie. I was like very pleasantly surprised with uh, not only how good Rami is in this film, but how much the film asks him to do. Like he's actually kind of got like a very sweet romantic part in this movie uh, and is doing some acting and some accent work. It is pretty convincing.
1: Uh, Remy was fantastic in this yeah. movie. I think he is a great supporting character and a great character who supports. <laughs> I, I would argue, you know, I'm not sure how much of the, the later seasons of his show on Hulu you've caught, but he's been mm-hmm. in that bag for a while. I'm rooting for him, but we haven't seen it on the big screen. And seeing yeah. it on the big screen was fantastic. He plays a pivotal part in the story and her journey. And... Yeah, Uh, especially when the camera used the fisheye lens on him, it Mm -hmm. really put you into his world because he really is the newbie into it uh, in that first half of the movie um, because he gets invited to be the assistant, but he knocked it out of the park, man. I I thought he was really good. I enjoyed him a lot. How did you feel on Gerard, though?
0: I mean, Gerard gets to show up and and deliver things in the sort of, like, sly, uh, like, under-his-breath style that I think he's become really well-known for. I I I think he was... You know, he got to kind of do his thing, but within the world of Yorgos, also looked very fly in this movie. He looks slick. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a, a small part, but, like, it's a very effective part of it. It's a very critical part of the movie, too. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I, I liked him in this, too.
1: He has a very great line when he's talking to her about his viewpoint of the world. Mm-hmm. It very much sounded like the way Gerard looks at the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a standout line and a really good discussion that they have between the two of them. Uh, that said, my man was in the present time, bro. Like they did. Not, my man sounds like he just got off a of set, <laughs> doing 20 minutes on stage, and then went directly into this movie. There, there are some, I don't know, it, it, it's, it has to be the way that he speaks It just sounds so much like the persona that I know on stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that could be me, but I would argue that in a movie where you follow the main character and you see her pick up certain things from the people who she meets along the way. Even Mark Ruffalo's character, the more that you follow him throughout his journey, you see him kind of pick up, as you were describing, um, the high-class things that he claims to be against, but he still kind of wants to chameleon. He wants to be a chameleon and and, uh, and, and fit within the, the, the high society that he right. makes fun of. This man does not feel like he's been traveling with the woman he's been traveling with. <laughs> it feels like Gerard Carmichael. Um, so it it just stood out. It, it didn't take me yeah. out of the movie that much. No. But it, it, it did just sound like him making a cameo in a movie that feels otherworldly.
0: Right, and that maybe is is brings me back to why I was impressed with Rami. In that, like, while he is very good on his show, this is something that didn't feel like he's just Rami. You know, yeah, he felt felt like like of
1: that time and period. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, where whereas Draud is maybe a little more similar to Draud, even though I think his role is to kind of be somebody who takes. Uh, Emma's character out of her perspective and gives her a different perspective so may- maybe that is effective to have somebody that feels like he's from a different part of the world or like a more contemporary time right very much yeah uh, so we were talking about what a great year this is poor things you you were telling me before we started streaming this might be the your favorite thing that you saw at the uh, Chicago International Film Festival are you saying that this is one of the best movies of 2023
1: Oh, easily. Uh, I was very surprised because this has a very weird trailer and it has been very fascinating to see people sitting for Saw and this place. And Mm -hmm. it's got that weird score and that twang by the end of it as people go like, what the heck is this? It is weird in the best way possible. I think if the trailer interests you in any way, buy your tickets now. Um, I think if you're a fan of Emma Stone, this is going to be one of the highest performances to Root, uh, not just for her, but of the year. I think this is one of the, the, the standout lead roles uh, that I've seen so far, I am very excited to rewatch this one. Mm-hmm. I want to watch it in an even better screen, um, bigger screen, because the world that they create here is one that I think is going to uh, land painterly. on a lot of people's top. No, it's fantastic. Like yeah. again, the the fact that it's fighting with my number one Yorgos movie says mm. a lot.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I I am maybe a little less hot on it in comparison to Yorgos's other work than you, but I'm also a a little bit more consistently uh in h- high praise of Yorgos's work than you right like i think my list of yorgos movies i love is a little longer than yours and yeah. uh, i i think i'd put that on i'd put this one on that list as well maybe in my top 5 rather than my top 3 uh yeah. i was trying to identify what it is about this one in comparison to some of his others maybe makes me less uh you know rapturous about it River. uh And I think it's that a lot of his movies sort of start in this place where it feels like our reality, but like slightly altered, and then it gets weirder and more distant and and more absurd as you go along or as you dive deeper into the characters and you see how messed up their psyches are. And in this one, I almost felt like it was the inverse of that, in that you're thrown into this very bizarre world with all these crazy creations, and then as you go on Bella Baxter's journey with her and you learn about the world, she kind of becomes a little bit more normal of a person and she shares more values that are uh, similar to our contemporaneous world. And I don't know, I think maybe that's a journey that might ultimately make Yorgos a little more palatable for like your typical mainstream audience and that this might be something that, uh, you know, like a regular Joe moviegoer will find uh, things to enjoy about as well that they couldn't accept in a movie like Dogtooth, uh, but yeah, I mean, I still think it, it's a it's a very uh, fun and beautiful and worthwhile movie, and I, I, I like you, I'm really eager to catch it again. It's definitely going to be. Uh, I, I feel like pretty confident saying it's going to be in my top ten of this year when we ul- ultimately do that video, for sure. Yeah. Uh, any last things you want to say about Poor Things before we? wrap things up and thank some of our patrons
1: uh no just make sure that you catch this uh i want to say it's shot in 2-0 or it's more of a taller ratio so uh make sure that you catch it in a theater where you're going to be able to get all of the picture and not it cropped because uh this is one of those where you you will have moments where it just feels like you're paused on a motion painting like it's it's that outstanding um but yeah no easily some of the best performances of the year definitely going to make our top 10 lists for sure. It's already at the top of my Chicago one.
0: Awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I echo pretty much everything there. Uh, we do want to give a quick shout out to our awesome intercut patrons, the people who support the show for as little as $1 a month on patreon.com slash intercut pod. They are in the Academy to Char, Cademan, Connor, Josh, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Tyler, and Benji, and of course, the producer-level patrons are Udenveer Veer and Toon. Big, big thanks to all of them, and a reminder that you too can support the pod by going to Patreon and signing up for early access to certain Intercut episodes, as well as invitations to our monthly patron Google Hangout. We'll uh, have to figure out the timing on that next one very soon, but yeah, Shout out to all of you, as always. Thanks again for your consistent support of the show. And I think that's about all for this edition of uh, our stream. You know, we're talking about poor things, but we'll be back with a lot more. Uh, I don't know if you, if there's any particular Fall Film Festival movies that you want to see us go a little bit more in depth on, whether that is something like Anatomy of a Fall or Zone of Interest. Uh, we're catching up with films like The Killer and... Uh, Uh, salt burn very soon as well just leave a comment let us know and we'll maybe do our deeper dive on a future edition of intercut you can catch more from me zach shevich by following me on twitter instagram letterboxd whatever social media you use at z shevich z-s-h-e-v-i-c-h and check out my youtube or tiktok channels at multiplex show art where can people find more from you
1: you can find me over at LME Movies on all social medias. We've been posting all of our capsules and kind of like daily yeah. stuff, recommendations for daily recommendations. Uh, our picks over at Chicago. Or you can find me over at Let Me Explain on YouTube where I'll be recapping all the stuff we've been seeing in Chicago. Going to try to make, if these movies get full release dates, around that time, once it's yeah. released to the public, I'm going to do a whole spoiler deep dives on a lot of these movies. And uh, I'm just excited to talk more, more important things. I'm just excited to rewatch it. Yeah. I want to go back into that world.
0: Definitely, man. Uh, we can listen to more episodes of the Intercut Podcast on whatever podcatcher you like. Uh, I use Spotify a lot of the time now. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash pod, where you can catch our kind of tired, but pretty excited faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of our weekend must-watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday. And please leave us a comment. Like this video or other videos. Consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested five star review. Uh, really appreciate when you do that. And shout out to our listeners in Denmark for putting us on the TV review podcast charts out there. Like our no, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Support our Patreon. You can find all of them at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from guests that we feature on the podcast, from from Chase, who's put out a couple new videos recently. And hey, then Rollin. Yeah, Chase's area. And check out his YouTube channel as well. Uh, but that's about all for this edition of Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, people who push the boundaries of what is known paid the price. But that's the
1: only way to live.